Welcome to the Monstrous Flesh Festive Frights. In this mini-series, we explore the horrors of the season through our favourite Christmas horror films. I am Clelia, one of your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Meg, the other host of the podcast. And in this episode, we're keeping our Christmas spirit in check and being careful what we wish for. We are discussing Michael Dougherty's 2015 film, Krampus. Krampus! <laughs> <laughs> My favourite! I'm so excited. Which I know you're so excited about, Meg. In fact, this was very much, very, very, very much your topic for this miniseries. Yes, yes. In fact, the miniseries itself is just a vehicle for me to talk about Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and, we, and we've been it around it. The logo, the um, the illustration for the miniseries is Krampus. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's very much, uh, you know, we and we, we acting, we kind of vessels like the naughty elves of Krampus. Yes, that's uh, us, the naughty <laughs> elves of Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so in the in the in the spirit of things would you like to give us a synopsis for the film i shall so christmas should be the most magical time of the year but for max it's a time of tension and dysfunctional family squabbling only his beloved omi shares his love for the festive season but when max is once again humiliated by his cousins he finally loses his festive spirit in the dark recess where Christmas cheer used to reside, a nightmare awaits. For Max has caught the attention of Krampus, and he comes not to reward, but to punish. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Oh, I absolutely, I love it. Uh, I love it. I rewatched it especially for uh, for the podcast, but I know I'm going to rewatch it yes. near Christmas because like, why wouldn't you? It's, yes. it's become such a classic so fast. It's hard to believe that it's, you know, it came out when, yeah, in 2015. It's hard to believe like it hasn't been around for longer than this. Yeah. Yeah. But also I can't believe that it was 2015 as well. Like that seems like such mm. a long time ago. I know, nearly 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I went to see it in cinema as well when it came out. Wow. And yeah, and ju but just like loved it. So it is part of my festive uh, watch list and it is non-negotiable. <laughs> I have two films that are non-negotiable every Christmas and one of them is Krampus. And what's yeah. the other one? I'm up at Christmas Carol. And that tells people <laughs> everything they need to know about my personality, yes. that my two Christmas films are Krampus and a Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> Very much so. I think mine is Black Christmas and Muppet Christmas Carol. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what does that say about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, oh, so, well, let's get into it then. Let's begin. Yeah. 
But I mean, I mean so, sorry, just, just before we move on to the film itself, I, mm. you know, I just, um, so we said, you know, it came out in 2015 and you said, you, you know, you, you, you say that you remember going to see it at the cinema, which is amazing. Cause I, I, I feel it's a film that came out of nowhere. Like mm. as far as I'm concerned, I feel like I just, I remember I was visiting a friend in France and we were like flicking through Netflix, it's close to Christmas, flicking through Netflix, looking for something to, um, to look at. And we came across this one and I was like, oh, you know what? This looks good. And it has Tony Collette in it. I was like, I yeah. absolutely have to watch it <laughs> so um you know so yeah but i literally had never heard of it before and um i'd never really come across michael dowerty before mm-hmm. i hadn't seen trick or treat uh, trick or treat at that at that point as well so i kind of feel like like it's you know again like it's incredible that this film is seems to be on everyone's radar and kind of everyone's like one of you know a favorite christmas horror um you know to become you know to do to release a cult film, I think, in these yeah. days, seems like, you know, that absolutely amazing. So, um, so yeah, so that's super cool. That's all. That's what, all I want to say. I wanted to, like, you know, <laughs> another, to shovel even more, <laughs> more snow over this. Yeah, no, but I, I do think, you know, every time I've ever mentioned it to someone who's seen it, they love it. I've never, I don't think mm-hmm. anyone's ever said that they didn't like it. I'm not saying that it were maybe a critical success on release necessarily, no. but then when is horror you know a critic i think for no, most exactly. you know you look at classics and you can go back to when they were released and people were very sniffy about it so but yeah mm-hmm. i think it's a perfect it's got that because it is comedy horror and um yeah it's it's interesting like gremlins i suppose in the it's Absolutely. got that there's like the dark underbelly but then it's got the comic mm-hmm. relief and it seems to me that good christmas horror that's what it does it has that, yeah. you know, it's like acknowledging that, oh, Christmas is a pretty dark time, actually, but we're going to lighten <laughs> this with, you know, Krampus. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But I think it was, um, actually, I think it was, it, you know, it's very, it's clearly very influenced by, um, you know, films like Gremlins yeah. and, uh, you know, all this. I think I was reading a little bit about a director and like he's really into comics as well. And, you know, so I think this influence, it really comes out mm. in the film. And what, one thing that I love about it is the, you know, I mean, we'll talk about it, you know, more obviously, but the creature design and the fact that you know they didn't you know they had a big budget and they could have been lazy and go with cgi but they really went with mm. you know they you know they, they went the full hog with the you know the, the, yeah. the creature design and went with puppets and stuff and i think that you know it just that i think again that's what makes it you know a, a film that will stand the test of time mm. in terms of its look so absolutely know, <laughs> absolutely because i think it would to say so if it were released in 2015 and they'd use CGI, people would not be watching mm-hmm. it now because it no, would be no, painful no, 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 definitely. <laughs> to see. It would 100% look crap already. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's, yeah, and you can tell when you watch it that um, that it is a real love letter to, to Krampus, although it's not necessarily like the way Krampus looks is not necessarily traditional, although there are traditional mm-hmm. elements of it, which we'll talk about later, but... Um, I think you can really feel that like love for what you know for what what they were doing what they were creating and obviously Tony Collette's in it so you know we're all in <laughs> huge Tony Collette fans on this podcast <laughs> I, yeah I mean I did wonder actually watching it that uh, because it was obviously before before Hereditary before yeah. everybody you know you know I mean I think you know people who love Tony Collette you know have always loved Tony Collette anyway but I wonder if like after the release of Hereditary you know they watch back you know look back at this film yeah. and think she is 
because my only criticism of the film or one of my only criticism of the film would be that she is a bit in, underused in it actually yeah. so um but like she does you know pull like some expression that you kind of like oh my god like this is another tony collette versus a, f- um, a, a fire moment you know yeah. like, in, a, in a living room with a lit fire yeah. <laughs> pulling the best face you've ever seen i think that is the thing but she's so um She's so like, so obviously when we have the opening bit and they've gone to this mall, I mean, I love that opening scene how it's all snowy and lovely mm-hmm. and then it's like the Black Friday, people getting crushed, like just the horrors yeah. of neoliberal capitalism. Like, again, what is it? We wasn't Christmas and neoliberal capitalism. But you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> that that really, that avarice, that greed, that, you know, everybody just trampling everybody to get a telly because it's got a tenner off it. And, and mm-hmm. it's, and they're all in the middle of that. And then when the you know, they've all when they get home and you can see that she's she's all this really chic, really prim. It's like Martha Stewart's dream house, you know, all China cabinet <laughs> yeah. and, and everything. But she's so buttoned up, she's so tight, she she? Cause is, it, yeah. Because it's got to be perfect, it's got to look perfect. That's what I think is so interesting about her in it. Everything has to look perfect. And when she gets that portrait out and you can see that Santa's staring at daughter's ass in Creepy it. Santa. Creepy, pervy, mall Santa. But her face then is brilliant. It's just like, oh, God. I know. She just, yeah, she just does that perfectly. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, she's a... You know, I'm not saying she's a, a an, an uninteresting character because I think she she is brilliant, and what what she's being given to do in the film mm. is done absolutely brilliantly. I think, and in fact, you know, in terms of her character, I think you have a lot. You know, I mean, I do. I feel like I have a lot of sympathy mm. for you know for her as that you know that being a bit of a control freak and yeah. you know just really you know she's trying so hard, and um, you know, obviously, I think you know her. It comes from a place of you know she's probably when you meet her sister later you understand that you know she's probably come from more of a working class background and you know she's um, you know kind of trying mm. to display that you know that opulence and like I said that Martha Stewart picture perfect fa- mm. you know family and nobody you know when people throw it back at her face I think that's kind of like that's what hurts so much <laughs> for yeah. her like she's like I'm trying so hard and nobody's giving me nothing back but it's just you know back going it going it about it the wrong way I suppose. Yeah, and I think that is, I do feel sorry for her, you know, like when she's cooked and she's spent all day cooking and she's made this, you know, beautiful table for everybody and they're so just messy and loud and ungrateful and she's put all this effort in to make it look perfect and there is a real, I mean, it is an interesting, I know people will argue that I can find, you know, class warfare and everything and they wouldn't be wrong, you know. (laughs) I can find some element of it. class warfare in most things but i do think i do agree it's very she's obviously come from these very humble beginnings and so that she's built this home and it's it's you know epitome of like upper middle class uh uh-huh. pristine sort of everything looks perfect but she's reminded of where she sort of, where she comes from when she sees a sister and her sister's awful awful children god them horrible <laughs> oh <my> god. children <laughs> Oh this, my god! Yeah. The girls are just—you so just wanna awful. don't condemn punching children in the back of the head, but you really <laughs> kind of like you know they're definitely the characters that you like. I cannot wait for you to get your comments. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, I cannot wait. I cannot wait all the way through. You think? Come on! If anyone's getting it, it's got to be you, you little bastards. It's got to be you. But you know, it's that thing that I think is very relatable for a lot of people at Christmas as well. Like when Auntie's like, "Oh, is it going to?" It's tur- I can't remember. She says like, "Is turkey going to be dry?" Or it's something like that. And that criticism, 
when you yeah. someone and the, and the the sort of biting your lip because it's Christmas, so we're not mm-hmm. going to have a, an argument. But it's like all your effort is thrown back in your face by someone who's just sat on their ass and not done out. And it's that fury, yeah. and you can see it in her that furious, like she's just so she just wants to burst <laughs> and tell them all, just get out of the house. You know, she really wants to do it and she I can't. Know. Very relatable. Definitely. <laughs> I think the only character that really gets away with it, I mean, in my eyes anyway, because I think she's hilarious, is the auntie, actually. She's, yeah. um, you know, because she has the best one-liners, I think, and she's, you know, such an arsehole about it. But she's quite funny. Well, that un- um, Uncle Howard is just like, oh, I know he redeems himself by the end, but yeah. he's still like, he's just such a happy swallow. But the one, you know, talking about that class warfare thing, you know, that you, you can, you know, 100% read in the film, the good thing about it, I think it's very damning from on both sides. Like, it's not, it's not looking down on one person or the other. It's kind of like it's, like, it's kind of putting them on, on an equal level, right? Being kind of like you, you know, all of all of them are kind of despicable people basically to each other. Yeah, so. all of them are awful, and like nobody wants to be there. And only person who was honest is Max. Who was like, everybody hates one another. Why are we all here? Why are we together again? Why are we doing this again? Oh, it's family. It's family, you know. But yeah, because I think her sister is really, she's really lovely. You know, she's really. I mean, yeah, yeah she's yeah. a bit. Her kids are awful, and her husband's awful. Awful. but she seems just really she wants that family doesn't she yeah. and you can see her wanting that relationship with her sister but it's just the all this tension and friction there that is so it's so well done though because it's it's not of at top like it's people will have christmases like that mm-hmm. people will have a you know Absolutely. an auntie who gets pissed and criticizes in corner and a sister who they've married somebody they don't like and you know everybody can relate to stuff like that can't they yeah 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 and people are you know it's the time of the year where you know people see each other when you know most of the year they won't even get together or you know they won't see each other apart from that one time of the year and even then they don't want to spend any time together it's like you feel like you have to Mm. (laughs) so so as you said I don't think it's, it's over the top I think it's played perfectly well it's just that you know that beautiful contrast of people coming from different you know coming at it from different angles and you know just wanting to um to be their authentic self you know but like but you know you know you know where they just so fake you know they yeah. just kind of they just don't want to let go of anything they just they can't be they can't suck it up and be kind of like well you know what for a couple of days you know since we had theirs and they're hosting and they're putting all the food and mm. blah blah this and that it's kind of like no instead it's like we're gonna ram it down their throats <laughs> that we are better than them or or that they think they're better than us that's and, it isn't it yeah. And I think that's where all that tension is because obviously there's that, there's a very like, there's a very um, toxic, very toxically sort of masculine vibe between mm. Uncle Howard and what is, I don't know what names, clearly, as as usual. What's, what's dad's <laughs> name? What's his name? I can't remember. Uh, I, I want to say Tom, uh, Tom? but that let me right. just double check. Yeah, uh, that's terrible. You see, I did it last last week. I was like so prepared. Uh, yeah, Tom. So yeah, Tom, um, Tom. yeah, Tom, the dad. Yeah. And there's this real. So like, Tom is the breadwinner. Tom has this job that, mm-hmm. but he works all time. He's working at Christmas. That's causing friction. That's causing tension between his family. But you know, he's providing. And so Howard's very much like, well, you you provide, but you're you know you're a wuss. I'm a real man. I hunt and shoot things that's and right. I kill things. That makes mm-hmm. me a man. And and I'll. Uh, I think what's interesting in, of a course at film is are they come to terms with each other and that, and they sort of find mm-hmm. that common ground together, which is is what film's about, really, isn't it? It's a family that's very dysfunctional and it's very, um, 
very unpleasant to one another and very unhappy in each other's company. But when the chips are down, they all come mm-hmm. together and work together with one another. So it has got that nice Christmas sort of message, a bit like It's a Wonderful Life, but we're, you know, horrible demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they don't get away with it. And this is what the, I think this is what I really like about it is that, yeah. you know, they, yes, it's about them coming together. And, you know, the, you know, it seems like the message of the, of the, of the film is that idea of, you know, well, you know, you can always, mm. you know, no matter what you, you know, you know, what you wish for. And, you know, it's like when the chips are down, exactly people can couple together and, you know, express regrets and, you know, make, make up and, you know, it'll be all fine. And then it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> No, no. Exactly. (laughs) Careful what you wish for. You can't take it back. Um, It's very much a film about intentions, right? And I just like that theme is definitely throughout the whole film. I just, you know, with the with the 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 backstory of the grandmother as well. I just, you know, I really love the fact that this is, yeah, that you know, it's the first time I think I I see a film about, yeah, Christmas horror or any horror for what it is, but it's about the power of intention. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I think that it is, and it it feels, I suppose, a bit a bit harsh to be like, well, he's only you know what, he's only little, and I mean, he's not that little. I don't know how old he is. Is he about twelve, eight? I don't know. I, I never know how old children are. Ten, um, ten. I think he's ten. ten. They, they say he's well, ten in in, the there we go. Middle. Mm-hmm. I were in the range. He's ten. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's ten, and he's he's kept his Christmas spirit alive, and but no one around him is is sharing in that and then he has that impetuous like snap he snaps yeah, that moment yeah, yeah and he's like oh <laughs> screw you guys like you know and and then he's really really punished for it <laughs> which yes, feels really exactly. harsh, doesn't it fucking kevin kevin mcallister did the same thing in home alone yeah, and look at, you know he he, like he, and he thrived yeah, <laughs> he had so a full time <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's just it's very but then i mean and we obviously see, and I think it's really brilliant how we see Omi come out as a character. So at first she's like baking cookies and, mm-hmm. you know, Tom's like, oh, don't do that. She bought some. And she's like rolling her eyes. Oh, like, I know. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. I don't, don't waste your time. <laughs> yeah. Why would you bother doing that? Yeah, don't worry. She bought some. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's not what Christmas is about, you know. What so again, about. it's that yeah. very like anti-capitalist message in Omi. She's like, let's be together. Let's make cookies. Let's do these things. Um, but then she's only one who's any use when everything starts to go wrong at lights, go out and everything mm-hmm. else. She's making a fire. She's making hot chocolate for people. She's wrapping everybody up. She's the... She is the person who is good in the crisis, but then obviously we find out it's because she knows what lurks within the crisis. Exactly. She's gone through the yeah. crisis. That's why she knows exactly what the crisis is about. But yeah, very interesting that, that thing of her being, you know, building the fire and stuff. And, you know, when all those, uh, you know, you, talk, you talked about, you know, the toxic masculinity that, you know, that is going around and, uh, you know, Uncle um, Howard is, is it Howard? Uncle yeah, Howard? I think so. I, I want to call him Uncle Howard. We'll call him Howard. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Just pushing everyone around. But you know, can't even build a fire. Yeah, so. yeah. Going on about <laughs> you know, oh, I've got this big truck and I've got these big guns and I've got all this stuff. Yeah. He doesn't know how to build a fire or like splint if he's hurt <laughs> his leg. He's got no. That's the thing for me is that he's all bluster in he? and he's got no survival skills. So he can't mm-hmm. survive. He's yeah. not like a survivor. He's just got a big truck and a lot of guns. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Omi. I think. The, and although I don't think it's a scary film necessarily because it is that comedy mm-hmm, horror, mm-hmm. but I do think there are points in it that are really, really like sinister. You know, when it all goes silent and then you hear sleigh bells 
And you're like, yes, oh. And then you see yeah, him yeah. and he's jumping on roofs over houses and he's massive. Oh my God, I know. That really got me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when snowmen, when you see snowmen, he's looking and they're moving closer. That freaks me out. I don't I like know. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the, yeah, no, there's, there's, there's some moments I definitely think it's, um, uh, you know, if there's such thing a family-friendly horror, but a bit like Gremlins, yeah. you know, where um, where kids will watch it and they'll be, you know, a bit more freaked yeah. out, I suppose, than um, than we would be now. But I think that definitely, as you said, there's definitely some some moments. And I kind of like that it's, um, you know, stylistically kind of throws everything at the screen, right? Yeah. It's like everything, everything but the kitchen sink sort of thing. Um, you know, that uh, I think that, that section when Omi is telling her backstory, you know, that's all done in um in stop motion oh, I love it. that you know it yeah. looks like it looks like the section was directed by tim burton or yeah. something it's just so but you know it's me it manages to do this without taking you out of it you yeah. know it kind of builds you know onto that sense of you know it's like something ominous is you know is, is happening and and you just, just love that they, they were able to to build that in without being like oh, that's a weird why is there a weird animated section in it you know yeah but i love that section that's one of my mm-hmm. favourite so bits of the film. I mean, it's so beautifully done and it's so yeah. haunting. Like the way she's talking mm-hmm. about, you know, this a community were just destroyed and everybody had turned on each other. And she and but her as a as a small girl in that, seeing that and feeling all that energy, you know, that, mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. um really frightening energy, but then she summons Krampus, you know, that mm-hmm. and she's and and then she's left to deal with consequences and i think it's so cruel <laughs> you know it's it really is. cruel it really is but she yeah. that whole thing about with a beautiful animation like say it looks like it's like a tim burton film it's it, it speaks to that idea about having a budget and using it well to tell mm-hmm. the story and you do get more invested then and you get absolutely more, you know you get more into it yeah. i think um, it made me think of uh, you know in the new in the new version of Candyman they did the same thing in the, yeah. in the title uh, since they did that you know stop animation and kind of like cu- uh, cut out you know it's it's like like silhouette yeah. cutouts because um, I really like when when you know when her parents are taken away and you see the silhouette of Krampus walking past her bedroom and he winks yeah. at her and it's just so sinister yeah. as I say it's just like and I think of you know for him being kind of like this will be a little secret you know yeah. like you you know you you wished for this but yeah. you know you don't you know you don't you Nobody needs this, to know yeah. them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you wanted this. Yeah, yeah. And it's mm. that guilt then, isn't it, that that she then feels and, and she's you know, it's really emotional and she's really emotional when she's telling it. And obviously they're all in disbelief. Like, what do you mean? A, a big horned yeah. demon is gonna come and take us away. <laughs> I'm like, oh, she's got dementia, oh old woman. And again, it's that idea about she's unreliable narrator because she's old woman who don't know what's going on. Mm. But she's only one that knows. And it's it yeah. yeah. And and they get you know, there's all that weird idea about I think, you know, tradition and the fact that her own son doesn't speak her language, but her grandson does because they've got this yes. really close relationship where he's he's obviously took the you know well and she's probably spoken it to him and they've got this connection and I think their relationship is is no I'm lying sorry that's unfair to Tommy he does speak it he does I'm sorry that's yeah unfair. yeah yeah very but yeah. um but they've got this beautiful relationship and you know that grandparent relationship it's it's really nice to see it in a film that obviously does descend into chaos Mm -hmm. and horror but they've got such a sweet relationship with one another and 
you know, it's it's really, I think it's really nice to see. Like, that's the heartwarming bit for me. And I am a bit of a softie. Yeah. Me, you know. No, no, no. I think that's, that works really well. And even in terms of, like, that intergeneration, um, you know, I mean, you've talked about the idea of the unreliable narrator and people look at her and become like, well, she's mm. old, what does she know? And she doesn't speak the, you know, she doesn't speak the, the language mm. and she's just, you know, like, you know, whatever, you know. People don't pay any attention to her yeah. until it becomes obvious that they don't have a choice but you listen to her. And it's the same with Max, right? People mm. don't pay any attention to him and people like push him aside and you know the first part of the film until he you know until he mm. you know tears the letter and you know throws its um throws its away and starts the curse people are very much so dismissive of him so you yeah. know i think they're both sitting at the end at the end of the same spectrum and being completely disregarded when actually they, they are the most two the two most important people in the story absolutely and i think that is really interesting if we you know when you think about it in terms of how I suppose society treats elderly people and young people and it is that well you don't know what you're talking about let the grown-ups deal with this you know and they're very Mm -hmm. and how like older people start to become infantilized by the family and the relatives because oh you're old you don't really know what's happening and Max is like the baby of the family so he's constantly Mm -hmm. being treated like a baby and made fun of and you know they're really cruel to him and I think, yeah, that's where Paul that... Maxi Pad, oh, which Maxi is such a creative <laughs> Maxi Pad, you horrible. I know it's Ooh, so cruel, but horrible children. They're so awful. I know. But then you feel sorry for them because you know when he says, "Oh, your dad's mad because he didn't have boys," and they're really upset about it. And again, it's that yeah. toxic masculinity. It's like, oh, I've only got girls, so I'll make them as traditionally masculine as possible because you know mm-hmm. I wanted boys. And it's there's all that in it, and it is a very um, a very multi-layered film, I think. To see it as just a, yeah. a comedy horror about Krampus would be to do it a disservice because it is doing a lot I of agree. much deeper things, I think. I mean, I might be biased. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, it's fine. You're in good company then if you are. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I know I... I you know, read, you know, in a few places that people thought, you know, the gender politics of the film could have been, you know, it could have been better. Mm. But I don't know, I didn't think it was crass. I didn't think it was done in a way that was, you know, that was, yeah, you know, the thing with the girls and, you know, the, you know, the dad wishing it had, mm. you know, it had um, sons. Yeah, I didn't think it was done in a. I didn't think it was done in a crass way. I think the 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 one thing I would have really loved to see happening is you know because it's very much um, the build up is uh, Linda and um, Sarah is it? So I can't remember Tony Collette's character. I think it's Sarah. Yeah. Um, you know they're both uh, you know sort of homemakers and but they yeah. they never get to subvert these roles. You know, so it's really much about like, the two dads coming mm. together. You know, to um, um, you know to what well, not to save the day because there's there's no day to save. But you know, I really wish that you know there'd been a bit more um, for the um, you know for, for the for those two sisters to yeah. even though they have a beautiful moment, you know they have some you know they have some beautiful moments of going, getting to you know coming together. But yeah, I, I wish there'd been a bit more of that. But then I do think that when we get to the absolute delight that is the attic scene, which is such chaotic yeah. goodness, <laughs> that Tony Collette really comes in. She's got a big crowbar. You know, she's kicking ass. These horrible things are coming at her and she's, you know, she's defending her family. And and so I I can get what people are saying about the gender politics in it, I suppose. But I do think that every character in the film at some point is really brave and gets a chance to be brave in their own way. 
you know, in except a, Beth. She doesn't get a chance to do much. Oh, except Beth. I mean, Beth's useless. <laughs> Beth's gone. She's gone. She, Beth's out of way. Yeah. But yeah, she's. I mean, I think that's what when you watch it again, like when you. I think when you realize, oh, my interpretation of it is that, you know. It's already too late by the time they even know what's happening because as soon as that blizzard comes in, as soon as we see that mm-hmm. storm cloud come, that's when they're in Krampus's reality right now. It's not, it's yeah. too late. And you know, when they're walking down the street and all houses are empty and there's nobody around, it's because it's already too late. And there's this real like ominous feeling to that mm-hmm. that, you know, it don't matter what they do now at this point, it's too late. But they don't know that yeah. till end, you know. But yeah, I just, I think it's, yeah, there is opportunities for everyone to, to sort of, well, I don't know what I'd do, by the way, if, if I were attacked by a gingerbread man. I mean, we all think we're brave. No, exactly. Uh, yeah, until the poor, that kid we, who I can only compare to Augustus Gloop in Charlie <laughs> and the Chocolate Factory, and, you know, gets whipped up the uh, the chimney by, um, yeah. by the, um, the gingerbread man, who I found out today is voiced by Seth Green. Yeah. So I was like, oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the, and um, yeah, this moment, exactly. I do, I actually, I, I do love Tony Collette space facial expression when this happens yeah. like it's just it's just absolutely perfect because you just think like she couldn't know she could not have made a ridiculously a ridiculous situation look more realistic yeah. like you think <laughs> this is exactly how someone would react yeah, to this because <laughs> she's I mean, and even that in that you know she's one who jumps forward to to save him yes. she's one who's like up the chimney and it's just as she's like yanking him and then she sees this, this gingerbread <laughs> man and she starts screaming and you think you would be screaming because what would you do if, if your nephew were being exactly. dragged up the chimney and there were a lot of gingerbread men who were doing it you know it's so weird <laughs> and it is that disbelief because sometimes you see in, in horror particularly if they're playing with things like that everyone just accepts it everyone's just like oh yeah that's yeah, fine yeah but in this none of them accept it they're like what is that no. why is that gingerbread man alive what is that <laughs> <laughs> so unlike gremlin like we were talking about gremlins the other time about uh, you know about nobody nobody asked the obvious question of what the fuck is this <laughs> but in this <laughs> film at least everybody is like what the fuck is going what on and what are these creatures <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have a choice to ask this i mean when they get to the attic and like that, that clown creature oh was my scene, god it's awful. my favorite thing yeah <laughs> but yes shut with that mouth that opens in like so like so yeah. many folds it's just so oh, it's awful. oh i was not okay i was not okay and that angel, that like angel doll thing that mm. falls on her, and she's screaming, and you think, God, I'd be screaming, I'd be I dead, know. I'd be dead from fright. That'd do me in that. That would freak me out. That'd be too far, you know. And then she's got an axe, and we love to see Tony Collette with an axe. We're into yes. it. But yeah, I just think yeah, they all do go. What the fuck is that? Which I appreciate. They're not just sort of like, oh yeah, gingerbread men. Yeah, that's that's normal. That's yeah. fine. But it does remind yeah, me a bit. Yeah, they're just shooting nails at us. <laughs> but it does remind me a bit of Beetlejuice. You know, how snakes coming under snow, and it's very like. And then yes. they're obviously pulled down, you know. And it's and then obviously the big horrible clown is eating them all. <laughs> the big snaky uh-huh. clown. Yeah. <laughs> it's so terrifying, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tony Collette is a scream queen for the ages. I think she does. Yes, she does put in work in this film. She is. She's really, really. She earned There's the money. Nothing she cannot do. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But then I do think that, or for me at least, like it is quite emotional. You know, when they start, mm-hmm. kids start getting like taken, and and 
it's really emotional at points. And, and when she's like looking and she's like, I love you. And then she gets yanked into the snow and she's just gone. And mm-hmm. you think, God, that is so like, it's so, yeah, just emotional for me. I mean, as people probably watch it, I think, what is she talking <laughs> about? But to me, I, every time I watch it, I do think, oh my God, like that would be awful, <laughs> wouldn't it? That would be really awful. I think if it's your first watch, then at this stage, you still think, you know this 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 can't be this can't be it. You know there is yeah. a way to reverse because this is usually how this those things work, right? You kind of yeah. there is a way that you know for them to get back to each other. Yeah. And you know I think for me the scene of you know Max that you know then you know he finds that bell and then you know goes up to Krampus yeah. to try and reclaim his family. It's just kind of like it's just so mind blowing that you know that they were kind of like nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. And he's this you know he's this very angry. He's very angry angry max is a very angry boy but he's a fighter you know he keeps fighting he's scrapping all the way through mm-hmm. but then yeah he's left with his with consequences of his actions and the fact that well actions have consequences you know that that he's exactly. not going to be you can't take it back it's not like you can't take it alone, back, yeah. where you know they're the coming the, your mum's racing home to you it's like your mum's been mm-hmm. eaten by a snake <laughs> she's yeah gone. just like you wanted her to <laughs> you wanted her to she's gone <laughs> And I do think that's interesting because it is the idea that when you lose hope, like Max has lost hope, the evil can creep in. But I don't know. I mean, is Krampus evil? You know, it, I suppose it's a difficult one because on one hand, it's like he's redressing the balance and he's punishing the wicked. But then I think, well, are they so wicked? I mean, what have they done that's so mm. terrible other than forgot, you know, the the spirit of Christmas? But aren't we all? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And you kind of feel like, yeah. I don't know. You know, there was this um, suggestion as well. You know, at the end that obviously there's. You know, I don't know if it's if it's just them. Is there other people in the neighborhood? You know, and also it's kind of like, why didn't he come for them before? Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like you know this was a long time coming, uh, sort of thing. So I, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think the same as you that you know he's Krampus evil. I think he's kind of he's part of that. Um, you know, that balance, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's. You know, I mean, I know you're going to talk about it in the in in the folklore folklore corner, but you know, it's you know, you need to have, mm. you know, you need to have the 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 darkness to the light. Yeah. So you know, I think he's he's just there, and he's you know, he's he, he's there to make your wish come true. Yeah, you wish <laughs> you know, for it. So. Be careful what you wish for, <laughs> exactly. as you say, it's intention. Be careful it? what you wish for. But I think <laughs> there is something about like to me that here she goes, she's off again. Capitalism and intergenerational trauma. There, I've said it. It were always going to happen. But, you know, it is that. Like, they're arguing, but they're all beat down by life and, like, capitalism, capitalist America. You know, you've got Tony Collette, who's living this quite plush, nice life, but her husband's never at home. A sister, mm-hmm. they're obviously really struggling financially and they've got, you know, like, four kids and, and they're really struggling. You've got Auntie, who lives in a trailer that's mentioned that she's living in you know and everybody's really struggling and then there's also that sort of intergenerational trauma aspect where like Omi has seen what that does um like hunger and economic hardship and it's different because obviously Max is not suffering in the same way as as Omi was struggling mm-hmm. he's not you know fighting for a loaf of bread at the street but there is still that idea about you know like life killing your spirit in there that if you let it but maybe i'm reading too much into it at this point <laughs> no no i think it's no i think it's super interesting and i you know i think from that very first scene you know i you know you you know we we haven't really you know deep dive into it but you said you know everything that needs to be said about it but you know that you know beautiful you know jolly music mm-hmm. and you know people 
you know, it just makes you feel, it just makes you feel, it makes me feel sad, that mm-hmm. scene, because it makes you realize that, you know, we all have this idea of, you know, of, of, Christmas but not just Christmas of you know of happiness mm-hmm. and of what you know um good times you know should be about and then it's kind of like it is swallowed by that you know by capitalism mm-hmm. and by you know just the sheer greediness mm-hmm. of you know of of the human spirit really so yeah. you know seen in that you know read in that respect I can see why exactly is Krampus evil or is he just bringing you know bringing balance to like when things have gone all right that badly mm-hmm. you know when things have gone you know they've gone so far to the other side then what is left to do mm. yeah. yeah yeah and you know that they've all like lost the spirit of the season so they're fixated on the image of Christmas but not the message mm-hmm. and the feeling of Christmas and they're all you know yeah. they've lost that joy of being together instead it's it's very yeah. much about like this the the presentation of togetherness rather than actually being together and so I suppose the yeah. gift that Krampus gives them is that they recognize that and that then they're together but then I mean the ending and spoiler alert we are going to talk about the ending obviously <laughs> um I mean I like the ending because I always read the ending Mm -hmm. as a very bleak one which I thought were harsh but I liked that it didn't because it's Christmas I liked that it didn't do the the sort of oh everything it was all a dream everything's back to normal it was all a dream you know it's like the consequence of this is you're stuck in this bauble and it's Christmas forever which you know Mm -hmm. is is sort of an happy ending I guess Matt's got what he wanted which is everybody together but the trap for all eternity but at least it's Christmas. So after the film, they did this graphic novel. And in the novel, it suggests that they're not trapped, that actually that's the snow globe is Krampus's way of keeping an eye on them and he'll come back if they're, if they're not being good. Yeah, so, I read about that. So I don't know. I feel like that's a bit of a cop-out, really. Yeah, it's a massive cop-out. Like, I prefer the original ending and to leave it as it, as it is, you know. So it's kind of like a purgatory yeah. stage. You know, it's like, you you know, you wanted, you know, your family to be together and mm. to be in that, you know, to appreciate each other and to appreciate the time together. Now you have it forever and ever, ever and ever. ever. And I really <laughs> like, I much prefer, exactly, I much prefer that. I think, as you said, it's super bleak, but it's just, you know, that's what, that's what it should be about, right? Yeah, well, that's it. And to not do that um, really, you know, sickly, sweet Christmas ending to be, you know, mm-hmm. To be like, this is the consequence. You're trapped in a snow globe for eternity. Exactly. <laughs> which, which is ash. But I prefer that ending. Well, yeah. Me too. And also it's kind of like, oh, then it means that the Christmas break never ends. Don't want to have to go back to go back to work. Oh, my God, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. <laughs> that was marvellous. You're just eating, like, Christmas food and trees up all the time. That sounds brilliant. Exactly. Maybe not if you're yeah, stuck yeah. With, your, with your family, though. Maybe that's the, the punishment, <laughs> the purgatory. Is the... Yeah, that is true, actually. Yeah, yeah. hang on a minute. <laughs> Take it back. Oh, no, too late. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I do always think that it is, like, National Lampoon, Gremlins, Beetlejuice and Nightmare on Elm Street at a Christmas party. Like, that's what this film makes me think of. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. Love that. <laughs> Well, do you have any final thoughts on the film before we move on to Fort Larkana? I mean, my only thought right now is that I can't wait to hear about uh, <laughs> about the folklore behind the film. So please go. Oh, right. Well, 
pour yourself a hot chocolate and gather around the fire as we talk about Krampus. I've got a festive lemzip, does that oh, count? Oh, a festive lemzip, that's perfect. That's brilliant. So seasonal folklore, as we know, has always been intrinsic to the celebration of Christmas, and this has been true for hundreds of years. Um, and this has been through the the transition from pagan celebration to the modern expression of Christmas that we see today. And so much of this celebration centres on joy and warmth and jolly old Saint Nick. But as we know, a darker figure also haunts the season. So Krampus is originally a figure from Eastern European folklore. And we see stories of Krampus from all over Eastern Europe and even into uh, some parts of Italy as well. Um, and he's positioned as the sort of devilish companion to Saint Nick who punishes badly behaved children. So the idea is that Saint Nicholas leaves gifts for good, well-behaved children and Krampus arrives to punish those who've been naughty by beating them with birch twigs and carrying the worst offenders off to hell. So quite serious, really. <laughs> quite The punishment might not fit the crime, but that's, <laughs> that's how we have it. So <laughs> both figures are said to arrive on either December 5th, which is known as Krampus Night, or on December 6th, which is St. Nicholas Day, leaving children to either open presents or nurse their wounds. But the word Krampus is said to come from either the Bavarian Krampen, meaning dead or rotten, or the German Kramp or Krampen, meaning claw. Now, I would say, why not both? Dead, rotten, claw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why choose? Why choose? Have both. Um, but the origins of Krampus are apparently traceable back to pre-Christian Alpine tradition, tracing back to 6th and 7th centuries, which, you know, that's a long way. Uh, but there's no written sources before the end of the 16th century. But in modern times, Krampus has faced some backlash. So... In the aftermath of the 1932 election in Austria, uh, the tradition of Krampus Nacht and the, the sort of Krampus celebration was banned under the fascist regime of the time. And in the 1950s, government pamphlets were issued um, that stated that Krampus is called Krampus is an evil man. <laughs> and these were centred on the fears that Krampus would damage children's mental health, which, all right, yeah. Perhaps. If you were told if you're not if you're not good, you're gonna get whipped with twigs and dragged to hell. I mean, that's not brilliant. They'll do it. They'll do it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Krampus is now a global phenomenon, as evidenced by the fact that we're talking about him. And he has been spreading his birch twig glory across the globe. And he has particularly become a favourite in North America in recent years, with events like the Toronto mm. Krampus Ball and LA Krampus Fest. So, oh my God! <laughs> there we go. There's celebrations across the nations for Krampus, uh, but it's. I think it's interesting that he's become so popular in this really uber capitalist society like North America because he's become seen as part of this growing movement of anti-Christmas celebration. So mm. I would argue that he's not necessarily anti-Christmas. I think it's very anti-consumerist. It's very you know, mm-hmm. um, and in some depictions, he's seen as this anti-hero who is seeking to save children from becoming spoiled by this consumerism of the season. But what ghastly vision awaits these naughty children? You may ask. How does Krampus look? Well. Quite different to the film. They were quite uh, liberal in their interpretation. Mm. Although interpretations of him vary, there are some similarities. So he's large and hairy, and he has the cloven hooves and horns of a goat. And he also Mm. has a long forked tongue that lolls out of his mouth and fangs. (laughs) Quite the handsome devil, some may argue. Sounds like my eggs. Yes. (laughs) 
So it does look quite devilish if we think about the depictions that we see of, you know, Satan under Christianity and stuff. So it does look quite devilish in that way. And it's interesting to see how, you know, Christianity has wormed its way in, as it so often does, into these pagan traditions. Because as a sort of since the, the introduction of like Christian tradition, we see that he is uh, wrapped in chains, he carries chains, which is supposed to represent the binding of the devil by the Christian church. And he rattles them for full dramatic effects, which I like. It's very Marley and Marley, if you've seen Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> if people haven't seen Muppet Christmas Carol, pause this and go and do that straight away because what have you done for the last 20-odd <laughs> years if you've not seen it? Uh, but yeah, so he rattles, he's walking around, his tongue's hanging out, he's rattling his chains, big airy guy coming at you. I mean, terrifying. That is terrifying <laughs> to a point. Um, and it, but the the pagan tradition remains in the root, which is the bundle of birch twigs that he carries. Um, in some interpretations, a whip replaces the birch twigs, which I think is getting into a bit of kinky Krampus, and I would prefer the birch twigs in my interpretations, but that's just me. Uh, and he also carries a basket or a sack to cart naughty children off to either drown them, eat them, or take them to hell. Leaving his options open. <laughs> <laughs> well, your options are, if you're naughty, Krampus is either going to come and beat shit out of you with some birch twigs, or he's going to beat shit out of you with some birch twigs and then drown you, or eat you, or be- beat you and drag you off to hell. So, okay. <laughs> you know, I-, I think depending on the crime, <laughs> this yeah, is yeah, the escalation yeah, well. in-, in the severity of your punishment. Um <laughs> But in honour of our sort of love affair with monstrous women, I thought I would turn slightly to another figure of uh, folklore who is Perchter. Now, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Who is similar to Krampus. So she is the upholder of taboos, like the prohibition against spinning during holidays. (laughs) Now, obviously, people aren't necessarily spinning and weaving as much anymore, uh, but she appears in folklore from Bavaria and Austria. She said to roam the countryside on the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany when people were obviously not supposed to be spinning. A terrible crime, I think we'll all agree. Um, and she would know if children and young servants had been naughty or well behaved. Now, we might have thought that Krampus was harsh. I would say that perhaps Perchter is a little bit more punitive uh, because if they were good, she would give them a silver coin, which... Why be good all year for one silver coin, in my opinion? But if they were naughty, she would slit open their bellies, pull out their guts and stuff them full of straw and pebbles. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. So the reward is very, like, me, meh, yeah. but the punishment, the punishment make you, will make you wish you would, you know, you, you would go for that um, silver coin for sure. Yeah. And so who would earn this punishment, you might ask? Who would, what? Terrible deeds would would require you to be, you know, disemboweled and stuffed with straw. Well, if girls had not spun their full allotment of flax, they would be <laughs> gutted and stuffed. And if uh, someone ate anything besides fish and gruel on the night of a feast day, she would come in the night and rip out the guts. Now... You know, well. <laughs> that feels pretty extreme to me. It does, yeah, yeah. Well, it, she makes Krampus look like a big yeah. teddy bear for sure. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> I would take a beating with some birch twigs over being disemboweled. Absolutely, I think. Yeah. If given the choice. But to me, I mean, there's not enough reward and there's too much punishment for both of these people. 
yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no one wins. <laughs> you either get a coin no or wins, you get gutted. Yeah. Or you get, you know, shit kicked out of you with some birch twigs, or you get, you know, you get dragged off to hell. So... I think they like they agree that the um the, the, the reward is for them to leave you the fuck alone, which would be kind of like the spine. I can, I can, yeah. I can live with that. <laughs> Keep your coin, just go away. Keep the coin, leave me alone, please. But she is depicted uh, as the sort of two farms that she can take, both of which I think are very interesting in the way that we've talked about how women are perceived in terms of folklore and monstrosity. So in some versions, she's said to be beautiful and white as the snow of her namesake. In others, she's old and haggard. So again, mm, a woman of okay. extremes. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no in between. Yeah, either one or the other. <laughs> um, but she is in many of the descriptions. She has a goose or a swan foot, just the one, just the one <laughs> just foot. The one, yeah. <laughs> and apparently, uh, one of the Grimm brothers wrote, p- picked up this folklore and, and wrote about it. Um, and he suggested that it was because she could shape shift into an animal, and so by having the oh. visible goose foot. This was an indicator of like the, a higher the, the, nature. The, the Brothers Grimm, yes. Is it? Is that? Yeah, is that the uh, the goose girl? The, uh, the it, oh, the, it might be. I don't know. It might be. Perhaps yeah. uh, they'd co- they okay. collected yeah. a lot of stories about her um, and suggested mm-hmm. that because she could shapeshift, that this visible foot was an indicator of that. Uh, similar to like the Swan Maiden sort of story, or yeah. like the Swan Princesses, I suppose, where they can shapeshift into swans, as the name suggests. Uh, and it's also possible that this foot was meant to represent the splay foot that spinning women often had as a result of using a treadle. So, oh. you know, y- your reward for spinning your full allotment of flax was you didn't get <laughs> gutted, but you did have a splayed foot. So, yeah, you know, food and a and, and a coin and a coin. You got a lovely silver coin and a you know a really yeah. painful foot, I imagine. So yes, um, but there are still celebrations, Austrian celebrations, which feature beautiful Perchten. So Perchten is the plural of Perchter, and this is how her following is referred to. And there was a cult of Perchter at one point, um, but they were reprimanded in the 16th century for making offerings in Perchter's name. Um, I don't know if those offerings were swan feet. I don't know what they were. It didn't give details. <laughs> it could have been, you know, human sacrifice. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, anything that you didn't decide. Anything. But so celebrations are split into beautiful Perchton called Sean Perchton. Again, forgive my pronunciation. Who come during the 12 nights and these festivals to bring good luck. And the other are ugly Perchton, Shish Perchton. I've done my best there, who have fangs, tusks and horse tails and their job is to drive out demons and ghosts. So uh, essentially, you will either be blessed by a beautiful Perchton or the ugly Perchton will come and chase all the ghosts out of your house, which might be necessary. And in contemporary culture, she's seen as a rewarder of the generous and punisher of the bad, especially lying children. And so Perchton are still a regular part of celebrations in Austria, which again, another stop on the Monstrous Flesh World Tour. We'll go to Krampus Night <laughs> and the Perchton celebrations and then Map the Big Penis soon. Festival in Japan. There we go. It's coming together. <laughs> so that's my little... I mean, obviously, I could have gone on and on about this for hours, Krampus mm-hmm. being a personal favourite. I couldn't find any contemporary stories of people being targeted by Krampus, um, but I did find that there are the Krampus Nacht celebrations, the sort of festivals where people dress up as Krampus 
and then um, go through the crowds. So what they tend to do is you get sort of a sticker to say if you've been naughty or nice. And if you've been naughty, then the Krampus will beat you with the birch twigs. But I did see that um, in recent years, there has been some controversy where... Uh, festival goers have sought revenge against Krampus and basically beat the shit out of these people <laughs> pretending to be Krampus <laughs> with people ending up in hospital with broken bones and everything. So I think perhaps, oh, you know, the naughty spirit lives on. Exactly. I was going to say, <laughs> not really in the spirit of things, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, well, now we've had that little dive into the, the chilly depths of the Fort Law. What about recommendations mm. then? What recommendations do we have? So in terms of recommendations, I kind of went, I made a beeline for B-movies only pretty oh, much. Yes. <laughs> um, so the gingerbread man that came, came to, my, to mind straight away <laughs> <laughs> after, after watching that amazing sequence. Um, but also like a really, really weird one. And I can't take really credit for it because I heard, um, um, I heard someone else in a podcast mentioning it, but I hadn't thought about that film for a really long time and uh it just you know brought it back to my memory is demonic toys from 1992 oh. and if you've never seen it if you haven't heard of it then bring up you know the poster right now to have a look because the four creatures are very much the creatures the the, the um, krampus minions in krampus you know the uh the 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 killer teddy bear the clown uh the robot and the you know the angel doll and i was like there's no way that you know this wasn't a you know direct reference to um you know to this so but also if you haven't seen it you absolutely you know you must you must you must treat yourself oh no oh this. my god that's awful <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that, this is why I'm so traumatized as a, as an adult with you know with dolls. I still you know I still can't um, oh, <laughs> no. can't, can't look at one directly in the eye. <laughs> that is so frightening. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I mean, it's, it's so much fun, but um, but yeah, I mean, maybe not when you're uh, you know when you're a little kid. But yeah. I think <laughs> it's the teeth. That well, the yeah. teeth on that teddy bear yeah. that's really doing me Oh my me god, in. I know I it mean, really is. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the clown is is pretty bad, but the yeah the teeth on that teddy bear there's somewhere else i know absolutely but yeah so i think you know i would i would be very surprised if that wasn't a you know direct if that hadn't been um Mm. a reference for this um for krampus krampus's minion um so yeah and then you know gremlins obviously we've talked about um but you know i think you know it's 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 kind of in the same vein really um and in terms of you know another spin on krampus then a christmas horror story with william shatner is definitely one one to look at (laughs) so yeah those are my recommendations what about you I had a Christmas horror story on mine uh, as well. <laughs> I had the my favourite Inside Number Nine episode is The Devil of Christmas. Uh, so that's my recommendation if people haven't seen it. And if you've not seen Inside Number Nine at all, well, I think it's on iPlayer still. Get going because, but it's brilliant. But The Devil of Christmas episode is my favourite episode. Um <laughs> I also had Violent Night, which I know is not strictly a horror, but I saw it last year when it came out and it is one of the most entertaining Christmas films I've seen in recent years. Uh, And one of the characters is called Krampus. So they're all named after Dark. So the main baddie is uh, Scrooge, I think. And then there's Krampus and there's, you know, (laughs) codename Krampus. (laughs) 
Brilliant. Uh, I have not seen that one yet, but I'm looking really forward to it. Yeah. It is really good. Mm-hmm. And then Home Alone I had because I think, you know, this very course, uh, course. the sort of young boy fighting fighting back at Christmas. And then I'm up mm-hmm. at Christmas Carol because as I've already mentioned, it is part of my required <laughs> double bill at Christmas. So yes, that's they're my recommendations. Um Brilliant. I would love to know if people have got other recommendations for Krampus films. Uh, our Christmas horror, because obviously we're doing a mini series. We love Christmas horror, so if anyone has mm-hmm. got any recommendations, then let us know because I'm always looking to add to the watch list. Yes, <laughs> there's a ton of Krampus, of Krampus films as well. So, like, I, you know, I think you could, you know, start a, a watch list of just them. Like, yeah. I was surprised researching today how many Krampus films there, yeah, there are. Yeah, so. I saw one like Lady Krampus. It's Mrs. Krampus or something. It's called. Oh my god. Brilliant. Yeah, so I need to look that up because I'm not sure how good that is. <laughs> that might be like the B movie sort of thing. I think it I went mean, straight I think to you video. Know how good it is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yes. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, I do. I do think that Krampus uh, does seem to have captured the Christmas horror market in some uh, mm-hmm. in some instances, and I believe that Kevin Smith has a film in production about Krampus from my researches. Uh, So, yes, we shall see. If that comes out soon, that would be good. So, yeah, Yeah. I was on the lookout for them. Um, But, yeah, what a fun romp through Krampus land. (laughs) Yeah, more Krampus coming, um, (laughs) content coming really soon. Uh, No, that all sounds great. Uh, No, that was brilliant. I mean, it's always uh, a joy to talk about this film anyway. Um, And, you know, this this whole miniseries is, you know, us going through films that, you know, we love and rewatch at Christmas. Um, There's festive rights that we, that we are, you know, um, that that we love. So, um, so yeah, it's been delightful. Yes. (laughs) Wonderful. And be good, everyone. You don't want to get, you know, Whitley Birch twigs and potentially disemboweled. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to Monstrous Flesh. Join us next week for more discussion on festive frights we love. You can find out more about us via our website, monstrousflesh.co.uk. Links for each episode, buy our amazing merch and see our upcoming events. We would love to hear from you via email or on social media. And also please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and help us spread our spooky word by telling all your friends about Monsters Flesh. Until next time, creep it weird, everyone. Mm-hmm.